You're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church by Pastor Dean Miller. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. Now, here's Pastor Miller. John chapter 5, very quickly. We're going to go through the next few weeks. Just, I'm going to just spend a few minutes kind of introducing some things tonight. But what is the purpose of Bible study? What is the purpose of Bible study? We're going to talk about that for the next few weeks because you can look around and you see people in all kinds of Bible study groups. And I'm for that. I'm for it. Man, let's study the Bible. Um, but what is the, to what end? To what end? What, what, is, what is the end of the matter when it comes to studying the Word of God? And we're going to see a few things over the next couple of weeks that I think we need to measure our studying by these things. Um, look, at, look at John chapter 5 and look down, at, uh, look down at verse number 39. We were here the other day, Jesus speaking to the um, Pharisees, and he says to them, Search the scriptures, for in them you think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Now, now Jesus was looking at these Pharisees, who, by the way, they, know, they knew the Old Testament scriptures better than we know the Old Testament scriptures. They would, they would walk circles around us in their knowledge of uh, the Torah. Uh, the other day, there was a terrible earthquake in Turkey and Syria, and um, uh, somebody sent me a video. Uh, they, they're not technically allowed to go in, these Jewish rabbis, to go into these synagogues but in the clothes that they were in, but under emergency situations they needed to do it. They rushed into these synagogues to rescue uh, these scrolls of Torah that were over 2,000 years old. And the, the synagogue was a synagogue of Damascus, I mean, a synagogue of Syria uh, in Antioch. And, and they were bringing those out. And as I saw those rabbis carrying those 2,000-year-old scrolls, I thought, you know, it's very, very probable that the Apostle Paul would have been in that synagogue opening those scrolls and preaching Christ to them from those parchments. It's amazing. But... These, these Old Testament Jews knew the gospel, or the, not the gospel, but the Bible. They knew the scriptures very, very well, and they argued the scriptures. And Jesus said to them, you know, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. But you've missed me. That's what you've missed. You've missed me. And so often... So often over the years, people have come to the Bible for study and for devotions and just leisurely readings and so forth for a multitude of reasons. But a lot of times people come to it because, well, they got homework to do. You know, I got to finish this for my Bible study class or my, my Sunday school class wants me to get this done. And so I got to go find this answer. And that's okay. Some just do it, just to read it, to see what the Bible says, and that's good. Some try to know the Bible and study the Bible so they can win arguments. You know, they want to win arguments. <laughs> and we have to be really careful with the Bible, because the Bible's not a club you beat people over the head with. The Bible is a sword that is used to deliver captives from their sin and bring them to salvation. 
The Bible is, is, a, is not just a club you beat people with. The Bible tells us as believers not to be involved in things like uh, searching the scriptures to the point where we are in, in, in arguments of genealogies and strivings about the laws and we're in vain janglings and all of these things, the Bible calls them, which have no profit. And there's, there's so much about Bible study that can be literally be profitless. Can, can you study the Bible to something that really has no value? Well, we can if we're not careful, if we're not studying the Bible for the purpose that God has given us the Bible. We need to approach the Word of God faithfully and study it faithfully with the right ends in mind. And it's not just to win an argument. It's not just to have a great apologetic view. It's not just so that we have all of our theological and prophetical ducks in a row. You know, I, I remember... You know, in, in this world today, I mean, there are people who see every news article as a new thing of prophecy. And everything is just like, oh, did you see this in the news? That means that, you know, the ten toes of the beast and the, and the jam under that tenth toe, that, that's what happened in Syria with this earthquake. And that was foretold. And, this, you know, and, I'm, and I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I'm all for prophecy. But I'm, I'm often reminded, I think sometimes we get in the Bible, we, this is what happens. This is what happens. Sherlock Holmes... And Watson went on a camping trip. And in the middle of the night, Sherlock punches Watson, said, you awake, Watson? He said, yeah, yeah, I'm awake, I'm awake. He said, well, Watson, look up and tell me what you see and what you deduct. What do you deduce? He looked up and he said, well, I deduce that it's after midnight. The skies are clear and it's a, it, there are millions of stars. He said, and what does that tell you? Did, you know, deduce that from me. And Watson said, well, astrologically, Venus is in this sign and in this place. And, you know, astronomically, you know, there are infinite stars and galaxies and infinite universe. Meteorologically, tomorrow's going to be a beautiful day. Theologically, God is sovereign and almighty and infinite. And Sherlock said, but practically, what does it say practically? I don't know. He said, it's elementary, my dear Watson. Somebody has stolen our tent. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I think happens with Bible study for a lot of Christians. We look at it meteorologically, theologically, you know, prophetically, all these different ways to, to, to you know, store up our arguments for whatever it is. And we miss the practical teaching of the scripture and what God gave us his word for. Look back with me very quickly at the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Paul was writing to Timothy at the very end of his life. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, he made this great statement. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Studying for last week's message on Sunday morning, I came across the, a really neat truth I'd never seen before, a tidbit here, that, that the, the, the Greek word for rightly dividing was a tent maker term. It was a leather worker term, and it meant to cut straight. It was a straight cut that had to be precise. 
It was a precision cut, rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul told Timothy, I want you to study the Scripture. I want you to study the Scripture for one reason, to approve yourself to God. That word approving ourselves to God, that is, a, that is a word that explains our, our worth, our value, our acceptance of God. I want to study the Word of God in a way that is acceptable to God. That God has given me this word and I'm studying this word that is approved and acceptable to God. Valuably to God. Rightly dividing it. Making sure that I'm understanding the scripture as God wants me to do it so that I can do what? Watch this in chapter, in chapter uh, 3. Verse 15, Paul said, From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise into salvation. which is through faith in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Then he says in verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That is literally God breathed and is profitable for these things, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God, and that's not just speaking about the pastor, that's the people of God as well. But he said that the man of God may be perfect or mature, complete, thoroughly furnished, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Listen, the word of God has got to be studied to an end. To an end. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul warned the church of Corinth that knowledge puffeth up. I've seen so many Christians whose heads are so full of the Bible and yet their hearts are so full of themselves that knowledge has made me proud of what I know. They can give you an answer. They can spout it back. They can, they can, they can memorize and they can spit back answers. They could, they could beat you at Bible trivia. But the Word of God has not had an effectual work in their life. And I, I, I can see, listen, I'm telling you, people, people, you know, I, I've seen, seen this through the years. People say, well, it's, you know, years ago, years ago, it was a thing in churches. I, we, you know, we just, you know, we want to gather around the word, gather around the word. Well, you know, yes, we want to gather around the word. We're gathered around the word tonight. We, we want to do that. But, 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 but in some ways, what people want to do is they want to fill up, you know, the Bible says the word of God is like water that cleanses us, Right? We are washed by the washing of water by the word of God. Jesus said, John 15, 3, now are you clean through the words which I've spoken unto you. So the, the word of God has a cleansing effect on the life of the believer. But it's, it would be like filling up the bathtub and getting the whole family, let's all gather around, the, gather around the bath. Let's gather around the bath. Now, now I want you to see a couple of things about this. I want you to see the depth of it, the volume of it. I want you to understand the molecular structure of this is two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen. And, and this is the chemical makeup of the water. Let's study this water. And then they all walk out and they stink. Because nobody got in the water. And nobody let the water wash them. They just gather around. They know everything about the water except letting the water do its work. And, and so we want to study the Bible to a profitable end. 
as God has called it. So let me just give you some very, really, I'm going to give you two basic things tonight. And we'll get into this a little deeper as the weeks go on. Number one, why do we study the Bible? What's the purpose of studying the Bible? Number one is to know who God is. Why do we study the Word of God? To know who God is. The Word of God, as you hold it in your hand, is the written revelation of who God is. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. Which means that the heavens are speaking to us. The heavens declare the word of God. The, word, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no language or voice where, or, or, or language or tongue where their voice is not heard. So that means that God has put his word in the heavens. The heavens are roaring the praise of his glory. The stars are singing praises to God. The sun declares every morning when it comes up, as I told those kids in school, I said, think of how much evil, how much evil happened in the world last night. How much harm. People abusing each other. People murdering each other. People plotting war. Wars and rumors of wars. And how much evil happened in the world. And then what happened in the morning? The sun came up. Gave its light, gave its heat, gave its energy, grew the food for those evil people. What is that? That's a testimony to the mercies and goodness of God every day. That in the operation of sin in this world, God is operating in good. And what is, it? What is the heaven saying? The heaven is saying that God is good. The heavens say that God is glorious. Remember when God looked at Job and said, Job, look at Orion. Sometimes go out at night and look at the constellations. God said, look at Orion. Unloose their bands, Job. How, how is Orion in its bands? And by the way, we're still looking at Orion some 4,000 years later. How, how are these held in place, Job? And God used his word in the heavens to speak to Job. So God put his word in the heavens. And the word in the heavens will convince you that there's a God. Anybody with a reasonable mind looks at this universe, infinite space, and all of these galaxies will have to say, there is a creator. Amen? But wait a minute, who is that God? Is it Zeus? Is it Venus? Is it Mars? Who is that God? You can't know God by the heavens. You can know there is a God by the heavens, but you can't know God by the heavens. So God put his, hand, his word in our hands. Psalm 19, this book of the law. He said, this, this is more, moreover are they to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure and righteous altogether. He's talking about the law, his law that he put in our hands. The heavens will convince me there's a God, but the word in my hands will convert me. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. How am I saved? I'm saved by faith. How do I get faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God produces faith in the dead heart. And when it produces faith and faith and the Holy Spirit's conviction come together, there's a conception made. Faith and the Spirit and conception, and there is, there is a new birth, a conversion. Everybody with me tonight? So God puts his word in our hands. This, this is the revelation that will tell me who God is. How do I know that God is not Allah? How do I know that God is not 
the gods of nature and humanism. Because the Bible starts off, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the Bible tells us who he is. By his names, he's known. Yahweh, El Shaddai, Adonai. He is God. He is Lord. He is Master. He is the I am that I am. He is God. And the Bible tells us in no uncertain terms who he is. I read this book to know who God is. You know who I find out he is? He's holy. He is thrice holy. God is complete holiness. God is altogether holy. By the way, we better thank God that that is his primary attribute. Because God is love, but his love is controlled by his holiness. God is peace, but his peace is controlled and governed by his holiness. Because a God cannot sin, because God cannot lie, because there is no shadow of turning or evil or darkness in him, God is holy and righteous and just. Therefore, from that holiness, he can be love and loving kind and gentle and forgiving. Isn't that wonderful? God, Listen, God in his forgiving doesn't just overlook sin. God has to punish sin. So how can God, who is holy and just, justify unholy and ungodly people? Well, we learn about this God who became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, so we, see, we see God. We learn God through the word of God. We, look, and I want to tell you, I really believe this with all my heart. I believe in modern day Christianity, we have made a God after our own image. There is a Jesus being preached today that is not the Jesus of the Bible. There's a commercial blitz going on right now called He Gets Us. And they are describing and portraying Jesus in some of the most unbiblical and unfathomable ways. Basically, it's like what we think of Jesus is what He is. I mean, I've seen, I've seen members of Congress try to read scriptures to promote abortion. You know, they've used verses like, um, Jesus would get the vaccination. Well, how do you know? Does the Bible say Jesus would get the vaccine? He wouldn't get the vaccination because he's the great physician. He can't get sick. He is the vaccine. And I, this, is not a, this is not a diatribe on the vaccine. I'm just saying... A member of Congress recently got up and used the Bible to promote abortion. What is that? That is making God in our own image. That's not rightly dividing the word of truth and understanding that God is who he says he is in the word. You know, sometimes it makes us Christians uncomfortable that God would tell David, go in there and wipe everybody out. Everybody. And we say, well, man, I, you know, we don't really. That's where Andy Stanley went wrong. A year and a half ago, Andy Stanley got up in his church and said, we, we need to unshackle ourselves from the Old Testament and just focus on the New Testament. Because the God of the Old Testament is genocidal. He destroyed nations and peoples. Yeah, but not without warning and not unjustly. I mean, somebody said, well, why, why, what would give, you know, why would God do that? Why would God let any of us live? You know, people ask the question, why would God let good things or bad things happen to good people? Well, there's a problem in your question. There are no good people. 
There is none good, no, not one. <laughs> why, why would God do it? What is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man that thou visitest him? But see, this is, we don't want to preach that because we don't know God. Because we don't have, we've not read his word, his word to declare to us who God is. God is holy. God is just. He is righteous judge. When God judges, I remember as a kid going to my dad saying, Dad, I don't understand something. God, God told them to stone Achan and Mrs. Achan and all the little Achans. When Mr. Aiken's the one that stole the stuff and put it in his tent. So why would God tell him to kill all of them? And my dad very wisely said to me, son, because God does everything right. And just because you don't understand doesn't mean that God was unjust. There's a lot of things about God I don't understand, but I mean, how can a finite God, an infinite God fit in my finite brain? God doesn't live by explanations. He lives by promises. We have to take God. The Bible reveals this character. Is God good? So even when God does something that looks to me like it would be something bad, if the character of, of God is good and holy, was that good and holy? Was God justified in what he did? Yes. God is just. I mean, listen, modern day Americans get tight when you start talking. American Christians get tight when you start talking about this. Because we think that we have to be God's defense attorneys. That we have to tell everybody, no, God's good. He never lets anything bad happen to his people. Oh, ask that to Job. Ask Paul if God allows bad things to happen to people that serve him. Ask Abraham. Right? Uh, let's ask Jesus. When the Bible says it pleased Jehovah to bruise him. God was pleased to crush him. Because God was good in that. God was just in that. Right? Everybody with me tonight? We studied the Bible so that we can know who God is. Number two, we studied the Bible. And I'll finish with this because we've got to go to prayer. Number two. We study the Bible so that we know who we are. It's really dangerous for us to think that we are what we think we are. Because of our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The mind of man, the mind of man is so depraved that we will think that we ourselves are God. And we, we, we don't know who we are, but we are depraved and vile. And when we start reading the scripture and seeing us for what we really are, we get an understanding that we better not lean to our own understanding. The worst advice anybody can ever take and heed is to follow your heart. <laughs> who can know the mind of man? which is in him. Who can know that? Keep your heart with all diligence, which means guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Our hearts, our hearts, man, are so wicked and deceitful that we will destroy ourselves. We are, we are sinful. We are prone 
to sin. Somebody, somebody, you know, there's a philosophy in the world today that most people are basically good that do bad things. And the truth of the matter is, is people are basically bad at our core who every once in a while do some good things accidentally. Paul said it this way, there is in my flesh no good thing. And can I tell you, the faster we recognize that, the better we're going to understand the plans of God in our life. When we recognize I am corrupt through and through, the only thing that's good in me is Jesus. And when Dean Miller shows up, it might seem to be good, but I want to tell you, the end of that is tragic. Right? Everybody with me on that? So I, I, I want to I spend, and we're going to go a little bit more in depth next week, but I, I want to spend a couple, of, a couple of sessions with us, uh, and I want to give us time to pray each week. So I want to try to make these as concise as I can, but, but clear as we can. But I want to give you some principles of when we come to the Bible, what we need to, what, to what end? Because I think that there are many people sitting in our churches today that have heads full of scripture, devotional truths, little nuggets, little things that we've picked up along the way. But we have hearts that are not humble, hearts that are not broken, hearts that are not contrite over our own condition, hearts that are not burdened for other people. And the Bible is to be giving us those things so that we can share the word of God with other people and make God known. All right? Amen. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the time in your word. Lord, my heart as a pastor is that we would, as your people, be honest and forthright in our study of Scripture, that we would study it to approve ourselves to you. Not that we would just have heads full of knowledge, but that we would have hearts that are obediently following you and becoming more like you, fashioned and shaped into your image that we can make you known that Christ can be formed in us, that, Lord, that these would be the desired ends. Lord, we have a lot of ground to cover in the next few weeks, so I pray that you'll help us and give us patient hearts and obedient hearts and hearts that are willing to receive. And, Lord, even in my own heart, speak to me through this and help me. In Jesus' name, amen.